Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, this is Julia Rayside. You're listening to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. And I'm currently in the bright sunshine in the mermaid boatyard itself, in the elephant boatyard down on the south coast, next to the Jolly Sailor. We've just had a half in the Jolly Sailor. I'm actually there. I'm here. I'm actually here. I've come down here on a day off. It's a beautiful sunny day. And I'm standing looking up at the hull of a very lovely wooden boat, as uh, as Jack would, would have preferred. It's really gorgeous, actually. But I'm just butting in before you hear episode 13 of the podcast to let you know that this is this the last episode of Howard's Way of this series. And our podcast guest this week has been so epic that we're splitting this one into two. So um, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the series, I really hope you have. Then stick around. There'll be a bit of a hiatus. We'll record some more and then we'll be back for series two. But now please enjoy episode 13 of Always There. Hello, ahoy, and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. Joining me this week to discuss the finale of series one is the comedian and qualified sailor Phil Jupiters. If you can imagine my <laughs> disappointment at actually not being piped aboard the podcast with an official... Welcome aboard. OK, there you go. Now, for series Piping two. on. So we, we'll get the official you whistle get, for series get a two. Get for series two, definitely. Okay, I will. Or the full tilt air horn for starting... <laughs> Uh, a regatta for starting the races. Is that, Give now, it that regatta feel. Tell you're the first sailor we've had on this podcast. I, I, I dabble. Hello, sailor. <laughs> <We're, laughs> Yay! Just outrageous. Waiting um, for that moment. But also, like, explain to me. So, you're, I know you were born on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, yeah. How come you're a sailor? Both of my stepdads were sailors. Okay. They both sailed, and it's uh, Norman Gacious, who was my uh, my first stepdad. And my brother's father, he lived on the island. He he sailed. Oh. and So I was always around the sea. Then, and we, indeed, we went on boats. You know, there was sailing when I was a kid. I didn't do any, but I was sort of, I was around it. So talk me through. Like, I've just put you in a boat. Yeah. How do you sail the boat? Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> is the sail down or up? Literally nothing's been done. Nothing's been done. No. Nope. So you need to, first thing you do is you need to get your uh, your sail on the mast and up and set. Get your sail That doesn't set. sound very technical, Phil. I don't believe you can sail a boat. <laughs> get the, the little sail at the front. You see, this is how long it is since I've done it. Get then the you pull the stringy the things on, and then... And then you put, they're called sheets, babe. <laughs> sheets. 
Which is weird. Is it, that's the first thing to confuse people, is okay. you call the strings sheets. Yeah, I thought And the I sheets that was are sails, you see. So that's, that's an initial thing. Okay. And then uh, go with the fair wind. <laughs> <laughs> Said that with such such ease and such casual expertise. It was, re- it was really funny. I hadn't sailed in ages. And then we went on a, me and the missus went on a posh holiday. And they oh, had a little catamaran. And nice. I thought, oh, yeah, sailing. And the guy said, uh, have you sailed before? So, yeah. I had the quiet confidence that four rums will give you. And I got in this <laughs> catamaran and I went out. And uh, it was the Caribbean, absolutely beautiful, crystal clear blue water, white sand. And I'm there. And a squall hit. A squall hit. <laughs> while I'm out oh, no. in the middle of uh, the Caribbean, this out of nowhere, just this sudden, that's what happens. This squall's hit. Oh, no. And I'm like, I just remember as I tried to get it into shore, at something like 40 miles an hour, <laughs> pointing directly at the shore, thinking, that man, why is that man waving? Why is that man waving? <laughs> and then having to, you, you could do this thing where you just basically, I remember one thing I remember me sailing instructor saying is, if everything's bad, just let everything go and go to wind. Go to wind. So let the wind blow at you okay. and just let all the sheets and everything go and just sit in the thing and sit tight. And hold and so on. so I kind yeah. of did that. I pointed it into the wind and I just sat there, but the wind was still forceful enough to blow us gently into the shore. And that's how you came to um, be shipwrecked I, for over a year. I, yeah, and that is how I fell in love with a with a basketball called Wilson. <laughs> Has your wife been out on a boat with you since that it day? Was my lover? <laughs> um, no, she. I went. I sailed it on my own. I, oh, you I did. Didn't, I didn't go out on it with her. I went you out must on my own. Shitting yeah, yeah. yourself. I was not too happy, as we said, and I was really upset because the first twenty minutes was joyful. Yeah. Actually, you know, having the tiller in your hand again and just, you know, going about and smacking yourself in the head with a boom. That was a lovely moment. Oh, I remember you don't do that. But I actually enjoyed. Bang. Yeah. The the aluminium smacked me in the forehead. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that pain. Oh, it's nice. (laughs) That's the last time you went sailing. I think that's the last time I sailed. Well, I can only apologise that this episode of Howard's Way has literally no sailing in it. Man, it was very low. I am sorry. Low on the the sailing front, I've got to say. You missed the Fastnet episode. So there's a whole episode where she just there's a race and yeah there's a race yeah yeah and One you of gave me <laughs> basically you gave me an episode of the Borgers I'm instead so, I know of, I'm so sorry oh it's so soapy anyway so this is the last episode of the first series just it, before it, it hits the ground running it, it, they all do running into the back of an ambulance it, exactly you see the blue lights. Abby, who's the most miserable character in Howard's Way by a long way, and she has basically fallen down the stairs because she had a row with her mum. Yeah, her mum. I only touched her arm. <laughs> I only touched her arm. You saw? I, she tripped. She tripped. So the ginger murderer is identified very early in this episode. Yeah, she protests too much about almost everything. Yeah, it's a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, yeah. And Abby's doing like amazing. I'm confused and in pain and unsure, acting on her stretcher. Uh, She's, her uh, face is just noise. every expression. That's a key noise. Uh, uh, uh. And then she does this brilliant thing where she uh, holds her hands up uh, like Donald Wolfett um, in the Hogarth painting and goes, no! It's like really weird. It's, it's guttural. It's like she's already giving birth. Absolutely I've only amazing. made that noise when I've been giving birth. So, yeah. you know, it's quite something. Uh, yeah, so she's whisked off in the ambulance and tells her mum to go away. Her mum is very upset. And then the, it's the old 1980s ambulance sirens, like clown horns. Oh, ha, yeah. Ha, ha. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. When that was on, because um, I had pleasant. it on. I had it on. I was watching on my iPad and it's like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Proustian rush. Yeah. That was... Um, Quite a nice sound, uh, isn't it? You know it? what? I don't want to foreshadow or anything, but that is probably my favourite moment of the entire oh, episode. Shit, this is okay. This isn't going to go well. Yeah. Uh, I really like the detail that as the ambulance drives away, it goes past two ice cream vans parked next to each other. The, the thing is, is what they've missed out there is how much of a brilliant sideshow. <laughs> 
would the yeah. uh, would the Tarrant Ice Cream Wars yeah. show have <laughs> would been. have been amazing. Yeah, there's always stuff happening just off camera that you think, no, I, I want to watch that show instead. That would be really good. Uh, Howard's Howard's <laughs> ninety nine. Okay, once they reject the fiberglass hull boat, Jack moves into the ice cream business. Yeah, I make the best ninety nine in all Tarrant, Tom. <laughs> You don't know how to make a 99, Tom. You don't know how. That's a really good impression. That's ah, the, that's as the Aristotle <laughs> said, you put one flake in and then the other. <laughs> yes, he's not very good with uh, with jokes, Jack, is Man, he? Man, his aphorisms <laughs> need some work. We'll come to that later. And they, they give a lot of time and space around that joke to not land, don't they? It's awful. <laughs> um, it's always, always like, it's in the air like a barrage balloon in the Second yeah. World War. It's just floating gently in its own space. And every, I mean, people are curious. You see the actress who he says it as Aristotle said, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And then she just, her face looks just bemused. Looks at yeah. uh, the only thing that could have improved that would have been a gentle side eye to camera. <laughs> there is actually, weirdly, there is one moment in this where someone does look down the barrel and it really, really disconcerted me. And we'll oh, get to that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Now we go to the boatyard. Did you remember this show, by the way? Did you remember ever watching it? Or was it just like a total blank? Okay, what, what year did this episode come so out? So this Let's is talk 85. Now. Where were you? Yeah. Well, 1985. Yeah. Okay, I could give you, uh, there was an answer I could have given you then that was right here. And then I, I reversed. <laughs> Um, but You've gone all twinkly-eyed like you're being naughty. Oh, let's just say I wasn't alone in 1985. Oh, okay. It was a busy time. Okay. Uh, so, no, no. 1985 would have been the year... I was on tour with Billy Bragg in 1985. Oh, great Howard's Way wasn't really on the radar. I can't be believe you and Billy you. didn't sit down and watch it together. <laughs> I can't believe that's Oh, I'm going to have to do the song <laughs> in the style of Billy Bragg now. I'll do the song, which I've written lyrics for, but I'll do it with Billy Bragg's voice. Yes. This is the best day of my life. Excellent. There, okay. there we are. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, next we go to the Mermaid Boatyard, yeah. uh, which you weren't watching in 1985, but I bloody was. And they t- they've made this... Pr- what? Yeah. But, what? But, well, I just want to know, <laughs> so where were you living in 1985? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I wasn't on the Isle of Wight. Yeah. Um, I'd left by then. I was... Let's see, 85, well, we I was 10. Were we on the island then? No, so I wasn't. I was an REF child. So I was born in Gloucester. I don't remember it at all. I you moved do realise that, I mean, being the Royal Air Force and then going to the Isle of Wight, yeah. I mean, the risk that your family ran of being burned <laughs> for being witches. Well, because we could fly. fly. <laughs> I personally couldn't fly. My dad could, but I couldn't. Yeah, no, so by then, I yeah. think we were living in Essex, Colchester. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying I think to think of the aerodromes up in that part of Essex. Mm, were there any? No, that wasn't there was, an there was an army garrison. No, no, my Colchester. dad. Yeah, no, there was. That's why I took my cycling proficiency test. Ah. I nearly got squashed by a tank. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Best story. cycling proficiency story ever. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. My dad had left the RAF by then, so we were just civilians. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I was watching it. So, we're not landlocked, but so, I didn't, I didn't go to the seaside you? much. I was, I was 10. It's yeah. a really odd time for a show to hit you. I know it is, isn't it? I was thinking that the other day, like, why this? Why now? Don't know. Why? Midlife crisis. I mean, also, I in watching crisis. it, I mean, the realisation, and, and we, we'll return to the plot in a moment, oh, people. You know we're going to. You know what happens. But are you, were you fans of a bit of Fry and Laurie? Oh, my God, obsessed. So, obviously, I what I've realised is that the whole, we're going to have the best car park in Utoxeter, is completely based on Howard's Wine. Yes. I think a lot of it does come from there. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. kind of... And also, what else started in 1985? Acorn Antiques. Oh, <laughs> so there, right. are, there are lots yeah. of comedy. Maybe you're right. That's actually something I hadn't thought of before. The comedy crossovers are. I think that yeah, many. Th- I think that's that's what they were looking at. Yeah. It's, it's um, Tom's got a very interesting <laughs> voice, a vocal way of delivery. He does. Kind of a silky. Would you say hello. mellifluous? It's, it's, yes, it pitches and weaves. Yeah, it's nice. it does. It's up and down. It's lovely to listen to. Yes. My fa- my favourite well, thing that I found. I have to go now. <laughs> I'm having lunch with Jen. 
And that, that there, the, yeah. just the tone he uses carries such lunch, a kind know. of lunch, <laughs> lunch with Jan. And then when they sit down for the lunch, the two most uninspiring beverages in the history of pubs. Yeah. It's the worst looking scotch and gin and tonic I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> How can they even bear to say cheers? Jan, when she actually sips, what is a, half a slice of lemon in some water? That's what you've got there, love. In yeah. a weird, one of those low, weird glasses. Oh, my goodness. The drinks are, I mean, anyone who listens to this podcast will know the drinks are a source of endless fascination for me. That largely the lack of ice. Why? Just, Would you not put some ice? <laughs> and, sh- and surely you're in television. Get a block of glass that looks like okay, ice. Okay, but to this put is in interesting. Now, you were of a drinking age in 85. Was I, I? I? Well, I mean, I'm sure, even, was I? I'm sure you were drinking whether you were of age well, or in not. In fact, 1985, the year I discovered Jack Daniels. Oh, there, well, there you go. go. Okay, yeah. so can you honestly say you did have ice in that? Because I don't think... Jack on the rocks, of course I did. But did... Because I keep looking at all of the drinking establishments in Howard's Way. Nobody has any ice behind the bar. Like, everyone's drinks are... Is it a continuity thing? They couldn't be asked to make plastic ones. Like, why? It seems a little odd, I have to Drives say. Drives me mad. Obviously, I just realised now my error in saying you made it from glass. Of course, glass would sit at the bottom of the glass. And oh, wrong. that's true. But not in a rocks. Scotch on the rocks would look fine with glass ice. But you make then you make hollow glass ice. But then there's a risk of it smashing. <laughs> really thought about this. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it right now, Julia. I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> I just get uncomfortable when I think people are drinking drinks that aren't cold enough. It but makes also, me uncomfortable. But then it's also the whole thing of you as a ten-year-old. Yeah. The, these are not the questions you would have been asking. Not then. You would have just been. Firstly, let me say, at the age of ten. You yeah. would have just been all spangle-eyed at Jan's hair, firstly. Well, I was. It's like a swooping wave, <laughs> isn't it? Well, it's very in keeping, if she you know. Had, if she had, like a little ornamental hair clip of a surfer <laughs> riding her hair. <laughs> that would be so that perfect. That would have been just amazing. Well, I only just found out because I bought, there is a book eBay is my friend. There's a book co-written by the producer Gerard Glaster and somebody else, yeah. and it's just behind the scenes on Howard's Way. It's fascinating, and it turns out that from series two, or maybe even the end of series one, Jan's hair is a wig because she's what? like, she's like, I'm some kind of bohemian chick. I don't have like high rise hair. Oh Mine flows freely word. like the wind. No, Jan. <laughs> no, oh, that shocked me. It's probably why she never sails. She couldn't. <laughs> it just she blow off. She couldn't. It, <laughs> it would catch straight away and just be. Whoosh, Gone. Exactly. Yeah, and they can only afford one. We've skipped ahead a bit, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, okay, keep going. There keep is some, going. I don't really want to get too bogged down in the whole hospital stuff. There's some very gruelling scenes in the hospital where... I'm, I'm, so what, what I'm fascinated by is um, why uh, Rodney Trotter's stunt double is in Howard's Way. <laughs> Could you possibly enlighten me as to why... Do you know what, another, I forget who now, another guest called him Rodney because they couldn't accept that he was anybody else. And to is. confuse matters further... In the first two episodes, the local garage where Rodney, who's actually called Leo, the, the garage where he works is run by actual Boise. No, <laughs> really no, confusing. no. Oh, we can't have that. And the <laughs> thing is as well over. is that, I mean, again, I mean, we're ju- in terms of the timeline of this episode, we're not your friends today. No. But later on, matter. when he's wearing the Greenpeace T-shirt <laughs> to show that he's anti-establishment. But he has Christopher Robin's hair. <laughs> Why? He can't be in Greenpeace and be a three-year-old Victorian girl. <laughs> Who is he? Who is he, Leo? He's so, he's so unusual compared and to all the other characters. He has, he, this, he, he has this incredibly soft voice. He does. He, he get, barely enunciates. Just really. It, how is she? Well, the doctors say it's touch and go. What, Leo? What? <laughs> what? Well, Leo is softly spoken. Maybe that's why he's in agitprop, because yeah. he actually requires the yes. megaphone just for daily conversation. <laughs> Otherwise, Hello, she's well. The doctors say that the next hours are crucial. Hello, Mrs. Urquhart. It's Leo here. 
<laughs> Would you like a coffee in a really horrible little plastic cup? It's the bleakest vending machine hospital coffee wow. in what television. I, I love, what I love is... <laughs> We've seen Casualty. Where, my favourite bit in that encounter is where she goes, I only touched her arm! And then she sees two women knitting in hospital gowns. And she the just stops. The judgiest women <laughs> in the history of television. Like they're at the guillotine. And they're knitting and they yeah. stop. And they stare at her and she feels judgy. But she is a flame-haired murderess. Let's not forget, she is the Titian killer. You can't um, say killer without saying Marurkut. I know, that that's what this show never quite gets is a serial killer. And I'm glad I've explained before that's why I like Howard's Way. No bloody incident tape, not interested. It's just domestic to and fro. Yeah. But Leo, his son has gone, he's called Edward Highmore, his son Freddie Highmore has gone to be a huge Hollywood star. And so the podcast is going far and wide now. My friend who lives in Australia, yeah. he interviewed Freddie Highmore recently for a, a movie release yeah. and asked him, so yeah. have you seen Howard's Way? And his son said, I've never seen it. Scoop. What? <laughs> yes. In in Australia, it was called Poms Whinging on Boats. <laughs> and it didn't do and well now, for some reason. And now, time for Poms Whinging on Boats. <laughs> Count how many times they say fiberglass in this episode. It's absolutely mind boggling. <laughs> the guy with the fringe, you're not going to hear a fucking word he says. <laughs> you might want to crank your tillies up when Leo's in the scene because he's practically inaudible. Do you think they dubbed it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, just dubbed it. Oh, can we do that to an episode? <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah, we should. I'm like- going for lunch with Jen. <laughs> Anyway, there's some bleak scenes in the hospital and then uh, we go to the Yacht Club, which is one of my favourite. The Jolly Sail is my favourite place in Howard's Way. The Yacht Club is like my second favourite Right, OK, place. the Yacht Club mm. freaked me the fuck out. It's Forgive weird, me for it? dropping the F-bomb, but it's like <laughs> someone has put a pub in the middle of eight living rooms from sitcoms. <laughs> so Tom wanders through one three-piece suite and says... Hello. And the couple raise their glasses at him and he carries on. Oh, yes. And he walks past another three-piece suite to where Jan is waiting for him. And he presents her with the world's most disappointing gin and tonic. Very, very, very And he sits down and and then he goes... Cheers. Like that, literally like that. And then Jan, Can you get any lower? Cheers. And then Jan, with with a pain looking at expression, goes, here's what her acting brain is doing. Oh, yes, I'm so troubled by events. I still have to say cheers, don't I? Uh, yes, cheers. Like that. I think... Cheers. Oh the, oh, the common niceties of life. We must remember them. Cheers. My life is so painful. I really, I found, because maybe because I was 10, um, and my parents are still together, so you know, it's all good, but I think I found the breakup of their marriage really genuinely upsetting. Because you've, I mean, Mommy, you've Daddy, no. me in a very odd position. <laughs> I what know. was interesting when I started watching, so I was watching this for you, and it's in five chunks on YouTube. Yes, yes. All right? So what I did was, it was um, series one, episode 13, part one. Episode 13, series one, yep. uh, part two. So series one, episode 13, part three. It's like series in five one. acts. And then, like but then play. what happened was... Okay, I put one on, and there's Tom looking completely broken, yeah. sitting outside by the dock, and an old man talking to him. I'm like, this doesn't seem to follow on. And I got to series two, episode 13, part five. <laughs> oh, no. I got to the end. Oh, no, of spoilers. An oh, God, no, this is awful. Oh, this yeah. is actually really upsetting me. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you can't yeah. leap ahead. Yeah. And all I, all I know is that an old bald man said oh, to Tom, No, no Mr. Howard, I know we've never seen Night Away. <laughs> That would be Bill. Is that Bill? <laughs> All you had to do is do his voice and you straight oh, away. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would, that, that's Amazing. Bill. Amazing. And it's true, they haven't always seen eye to eye. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, Tom and Jan have a very a very solemn chat. Well, yeah. Ostensibly about, about their daughter. Anne? Is she called Anne? Lynn. 
Lynn. All right, I knew the Wrens in it. It doesn't matter. Uh, she's like just, she's just their daughter. Anne, Anne, Anne is lovely. Anne is very beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and also called Lynn. And she's played by Tracy Childs, who yeah. is pulchritudinous, to say the least. Yeah. Um, well, and she's dating this local millionaire playboy, bad boy, millionaire She's played by playboy. the guy from UFO. Oh, was, was he in UFO? He was in UFO. Tony Anholt. Tony yeah. Anholt was in UFO. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dead good. He's very, very good. He's very he, loose think, in Was this. That Tony Anholt also in Space 1999? I think so, yeah. He yeah. had quite a good career around he that did time. He a lot of then... that kind of um, Jerry Sylvia Anderson stuff. Yeah. It was around that time. And in, in this show, I think the, the song Smooth Operator was written about him. They absolutely use his swarthy charms to yeah. relax. There's a beautiful scene where he's walking through a garden talking to his PA, That's right. Samantha. And he's just, <laughs> he's just, he's just saying, uh, he's saying, uh, tell them to send me the plans <laughs> by courier. And I'm like, in this day and age, I you know. just email them, you know, well, by courier. Like he's a big fancy big shot. Oh, yeah, we're going to get a motorcycle for your plans. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. And then he, he is a fancy then, big and shot. Then he goes, and then he goes, uh, I'll be at my club. Wow. You dr- get driven around in a Rolls Royce and you go to your club. And he went, I might not be on the yacht tonight. <laughs> oh, just he's just making all this shit up. He's a dick. No, he's not. He's a very oh, wealthy a man. Dick. I think he might be the second person I ever fancied um, the first was Dr David Owen oh they've got a similar oh man you do love swarthy charm hello something about eyebrows is that it is it eyebrows possibly Dennis Healy anybody remember Dennis anyone Dennis yeah Healy? and I don't think I ever had a crush Steve on Frost, Dennis Healy. Steve Frost oh yeah no I met him at a wedding recently and I did come over a bit peculiar yeah yeah they are whoppers aren't mm. they oh my god he's 17 like feet a, tall it's like oh god he's like it's like you know what when you eat frosty I always think it's like nice ah oh, Mr East Island it's nice to finally meet you know he's, oh he's <laughs> yeah. big oh, yeah. all of the and the weird thing is there's four Frost brothers and they're all that giant are they really yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> and um, they grew up in St Ives in Cornwall in the oh. tiniest house you can imagine with all with massively sore heads and bumps <laughs> What a lovely image. Yeah, yeah. All these teenage boys smashing their heads off beams <laughs> in a Cornish cottage. Anyway, talking of teenagers. What? So Tom and Jan are really worried about Lynn. Yeah. And they say... She's about, a teenager? This is, well, kind of like a very old teenager. Yeah, she's left school and I think she might have been to university, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, they're worried about what she's doing with her life, basically. Yeah, she, yeah. Hasn't, she hasn't got anything going on apart from like a part-time job. And the thing that most concerns them is she hasn't been sailing in over a week. That, that was it. That was it. Wow. And it's true, she used to be... I'm in this is the perfect episode for her then I know yeah uh, quite not not so much for you but for her but she she was the one who was in the fastnet race you know which obviously is a real race mm. so there's a whole episode I'm so sorry there's a whole episode where she's in this all female kick ass crew and halfway through the fastnet race a piece of rope comes loose it hits one of them knocks them over the side uh, the skipper falls forward and then she gets up and goes in a very gung ho way I think I might have broken my arm could someone else take over and she like sails the rest of the fucking race with a broken arm wow. it's amazing and now this whole episode Lynn just sits simpering by the phone going where's my boyfriend it's just really disappointing that the feminism just lasted an episode and then see that might have been my first taste of feminism and and now just that the arm broken sailor lady it's why I've spent the rest of my life chasing uh, cruel millionaires who didn't (laughs) love me (laughs) oh Tony Ann Holt broke a generation he's so dreamy anyway (laughs) (laughs) it was well Lynn thought so because Tracy Charles married him in real life Really? For reals. And they were together for quite a long time. Then very sadly, he got ill and he died. Oh. um, Yeah. No, they were were a couple for a long time. Oh. I know. I know. No, Tony was no longer with us. Yes, sadly not. Oh. Actually, there's a lot of people here. You probably don't want to read the list. Oh, oh, come on. I'll be like, I'll tell you what, let's play the Pharaoh Requiem (laughs) and you read the names out of the past, like Dad's Army. And I'll 
gently, I'll gently hoot like an owl. (laughs) Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So they're talking about Lynn, and then just before the scene finishes, rather tantalisingly, they agree that they need to talk about us. Well, we need to talk about us. <laughs> thank you, Tom. And that's really annoying because they keep on having the most important conversations off, like after the end of the scene. Yeah, yeah. So then we hear what they talked about afterwards, like as reported uh, yeah, speech. Yeah, we you don't know actually what? Hear. It's weird. Yes, because later on, when they when uh, he says to lady in the office whose name I don't know, oh um, Avril, yeah, he says to Avril, he goes, goes oh well. <laughs> We're getting a divorce. She's all pissy that he's had lunch with Anne. I know. You're having lunch with her. We're getting a divorce. Like that. Shut the F up, lady. Boom, we're getting a divorce. That's what you wanted all along. And then she pretends Boom. to be sad. She's but not like, sad. But like, oh, she goes, oh, without actually doing a full, <laughs> Exactly. Yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under the Running table, she's the like, office, double thumbs up. Oh, yeah. to joy and that, you know, full tilt celebration. And but, the same thing happens with Ken and Jan. So Jan is Tom's Why would you not have and- the most important bit I don't know. In the dialogue. Can't explain it. Sometimes odd decisions were made. You know, it doesn't make me love the show any less. It was just perhaps not what we would have done, but you know. I can't imagine you at 10 actually standing up and going, well, where where was that scene? And they're throwing the remote at your parents. This "This is is bullshit! (laughs) (laughs) Where was, you robbed us of the best bit of this week's boat-free episode. I wasn't allowed to say bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Military, I'd, military I'd have, uh, Yeah, I'd have got military done. Upbringing. Like, you know, remember yeah. when you got done? You've been done? on jankers. <laughs> You've been, you been on spud bashing for the week. Yeah, no, no, true enough, seriously. God, have you met my parents? Um, anyway. <laughs> yes, so then we do see Charles briefly strutting around. His, he's moved into a new mansion. He's getting renovations done. And yeah, that sentence, uh, Samantha, send copies of the revised drawings on the North Wing renovations. Like the kind of thing no one would ever say. Yeah. I like how he's really on top of his shit. I think that's what I found sexy about him, even at 10. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is there's like three items on that list and then it gets in a Rolls Royce. Can't even drive. Occasionally he does drive that car. Most of the time he's got a chauffeur. He can, he just can't be bothered. Or maybe he's just he's got a right. really, really, uh, really, really truculent chauffeur. He just goes, Yeah, perhaps. Fuck you, I'm not driving it today. <laughs> Again, the chauffeur, whole other show. <laughs> Whole other sitcom. He's Probably. got an ice cream van. <laughs> yeah, he's like involved in the ice cream wars on the side. It writes itself. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, because we're in Tarrant, the oysters are going to be the biggest sellers. 
It's oh, a God, crossover. Oysters. It's a crossover between the ice cream and seafood that we've been waiting for. I wasn't allowed those. Let's make a pearl out of a Tic Tac. <laughs> I wasn't allowed those. They were the most delicious looking things when I lived they in... They did look amazing. I lived in Billericay and an ice cream van always used to come round our, our I've cul-de-sac. I've been an ice cream man in Billericay. Shitting hell, it might have been you. Queen's Park Estate. Didn't do cul-de-sacs, babe. Didn't do cul-de-sacs. Fair enough. No, it's not Sorry. for everyone. I did the parks. I much prefer free-range children. <laughs> Which is why the, the sirens outside are getting louder. Um, <laughs> my next door neighbour, the kids I play with next door, always got oysters. And I wasn't allowed one. In fact, genuinely, and my mum still thinks this is really funny, she was the parent who told me that when the ice cream van played its music, it had run out of ice cream. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, she didn't want me to have fun or ice cream. (laughs) Anyway. If you put a flake in an oyster, the oyster looks like George Burns, the American comedian. (laughs) Hey, Gracie, I gotta tell you. Well, now I want to do that. <laughs> right. Can you buy oyster shells in the supermarket? I'm Let's to do get it. them. So then we go back to the boatyard mm. and there's trouble with hull. <laughs> Again. Yeah. With the hull. I'll tell you that when you said to me, right, I'm doing this podcast about mm. Howard's Way, before I... Before I you mean, swooned really to the sheer genius. <laughs> <laughs> really rolling around on the floor in my own mess, giggling. <laughs> I actually I remember that there was a lot of fuss about wooden fibreglass. That, one, that much it. I do remember. Okay. That's the crux of the show. Is the is the battle the between Jack, old and new? Jack yeah. is is a boat builder of the old school. Yes, he is. Ah, I hollowed out a log and took it to the new world. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jack, isn't it? Ah, yeah. Vikings, they were boat makers. Vikings didn't have fiberglass, as Aristotle once said. You can't have a horny helmet and use fiberglass. He's just. I mean, he's unstoppable, isn't he? He is. Ah. He's he's tremendous. He's one of my favourite characters. What I like the idea is that... What was the actor called who played him? Uh, Glyn Owen. Ah, yeah. So, we're making fun... And cut. Was that all right? Is that all right, everybody? Is that okay? Uh, Oh, my throat is absolutely wrecked after that scene, I'm telling you. Anyway, can somebody tell me what's fiberglass? I don't know what it is. I know what wood is. (laughs) Only joking, love. I wish he was still with us. I thought he was so brilliant. I'm trying to remember what else he was in. As soon as I heard his voice, it's the voice that you... Oh, O'Needing line. Possibly. He was in something called The Brothers, which oh, I yeah, haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, 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 but that yeah. was Gerard Glaster who made Hell's yeah. Way. That was his yeah, previous yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. So he did he did a oh, lot God. of work with him. Gerald what? Gerard Glaster. Oh, he likes agro Glaster, doesn't he? He loves oh, a bit really? of familial agro. Well, The Brothers was... Oh, I suppose so, yeah. just people bickering and business going on. Glaster. Tell me about Glaster. And he went on to do after this trainer... Do you remember Trainer? It was like a horse racing thing that was sort of similar to this, but horse racing instead of boats. Losing will to live. Okay. Fine. Losing will to live. Okay, let's get back to Howard's Way. You love that show, don't you? Oh, speaking of losing will to live. <laughs> By the end of the podcast, you're going to love it. So anyway, Jack says his stupid line about Aristotle's yeah. race, which is just Does so bad. Why? Oh, wow. He did his Who? best with it. Like, that was not the good thing Aristotle to get to an actor. Aristotle said. Um, the delivery was faultless. You can't... He, <laughs> But he mentions that there's a court case coming up. So some background. So there's a weird man who we've got to get onto in a minute. Is he's this the guy with the haunted eyes? Yes. Shellit. Who's he? So he is. He's been lurking for about three episodes now. And he is Jack's long lost brother-in-law. What? And Jack's wife died. I mean, Jack didn't love her. He what? married her because her dad owned the boatyard. Oh, right, yeah. So he married the Was boatyard. Jack's wife murdered by Mrs. Urquhart? Well, we don't know, but probably. We, we only know that she's dead. Okay. No uh, indication how she died. Another guest on this podcast said that Leo was the killer. The silent murderer. killer. Actually. I'm going to, I'm going um, to kill you now. <laughs> I'm what? I'm murder you now. I'm going to kill you now. <laughs> it would just be, it would be impossible. No one can hear a word he's saying. <laughs> You're going to kick me. <laughs> 
You're going to kiss me? Speak up. What? <laughs> so anyway, so Jack yeah. mentions there's a court case coming up because Shellett is going to try. It's a very spurious thing. It's just yeah, chucked yeah. in there to add peril. He has decided to come back after 25 years and claim that he's got some sort of uh, claim on the boatyard. Yeah. But actually, Charles Freer, it turns out, has gotten wind of this guy and he'd rather like the land that the boatyard is on. Yeah. So he's using him to try and leverage the boatyard out of Jack's hands yeah, yeah, yeah. into Shellett's hands so that he can then buy the land and bulldoze it to make a marina. Right, yeah. yeah. He's a device. Okay. Um, court case coming up. Anyway, so that's... <laughs> thank you, yes, it is. Um, and then we cut to, oh, now, well, the swimming pool scene. The swimming pool scene? Yeah. It was the 80s. <laughs> Space facts, it was yeah, the 80s. It was. You've got to look at the background of Duran Duran videos. That's true. To people thinking... A lot of skin. And the thing is as well, here are the producers. We've got a very boatless episode now. <laughs> okay, so people need moisture. We need to keep the viewers' <laughs> attentions. Let's come on. What kind of moisture? What? Be specific. A pool. A, yeah, swimming, a swimming pool. pool. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were I talking about mean, something else. I didn't mean that. No, absolutely not. So Lynn is round at her friend's house. <laughs> Lynn I'm is round her yeah, friend's house. Yeah, you're not like that. I'm not. Lynn's round her friend's house. They're being bizatches. They're being They're nearly, being complete bizatches. <laughs> They're being nearly bare. They're oh, wearing very small Is there a bikinis. bear in it? Oh, if only there was a bear in Howard's way. <laughs> I've had an idea, Tom. Got a grizzly rampaging around the boatyard. I'll put pay to this fiberglass nonsense. They could use- but Jack, bears need wood to nest. Ah, oh, you got a point there, Tom. And then they <laughs> they mend their differences over a bear. It's lovely. And they all they all have a cuddle with it. <laughs> um, anyway, so naked Lynn and her nearly naked friend yeah. are in the swimming pool. Um and Lynn does that thing that everyone who is, is ever in a swimming pool scene in dramas of this time do. She she kind of jumps into the pool, like does a lovely dive, yeah. swims across it and then just gets out again. Yeah. Like, when I go swimming, I don't just do one length and go, well, that was lovely. Yeah. Just, I, have a, I have a bit of a swim. That's you what know. we needed. Yeah. Um, so she gets out. Flex sort of, water over her friend in a, in she, a playful way. She, you know, because that's that's not going to get anyone excited. And then she, uh, Lynn basks a lot. She's like a shark. She's just, in every scene, like that she's wearing barely anything, she's like, can always be found basking. So she, she gets onto something. If she stops moving, she dies. <laughs> it's very tragic. She has to tragic always be dream. moving. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> God, that would be horrific, wouldn't oh, it? Oh, wow. Like the bus in that film. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got all the nearly references to things you might know yeah. in this podcast. Yeah, like the bus in that film. <laughs> and anyway, the two girls talk about the fact that um, Lynn is shagging a Playboy millionaire. Who is also fancied by an Urquhart. It's the murderous Polly, Polly Urquhart. Is it Polly? Yeah, yeah, Mar Urquhart. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, is it Mar Urquhart? Yes, yeah, so they have history. Apparently, they were at university <coughs> together. I only found out the specifics of this when I oh, read me, the backstage me, no, no, book. University, my hole. No. <laughs> Here's where he went. Wolverhampton Polly. I'm telling you now. And Marurka. Well, I think they actually... Social studies. No, no, you. Look no. At they were at Cambridge together, apparently. Everyone's got Bullshit. a really... Everyone's got a backstory, I'm telling Bullshit. you. Bullshit. <laughs> like they'd have murderers at Cambridge. Yeah, anyway, they were at, they were at that Polly you mentioned. The murderers have been to Cambridge <laughs> University. <laughs> And spies. Yeah, yeah. and you've just a balance. Murderers have been to other universities as well. <laughs> it's an equal ops career opportunity. Um, so they talk about the fact that she's got a very in-demand boyfriend. Yes. And um, and then her friend, who's called Vanessa, I think. Bit of yeah. a bitch, Vanessa. Yeah, she just tells her, don't get too secure. He'll probably be off. They're basically laying a lot of clues throughout this episode about what's going to happen at the end of the episode. Oh, right. Which yeah, we'll yeah, get to yeah. In a yeah. So Lynn's trying to play it cool, but she's clearly very keen on him. Yeah. Has put the rest of her life on hold. She hasn't been sailing over a week. I know. Really? <laughs> which means, you know, something's is, up. The thing is, it's like, there she is, diving into a pool. She's loving the water. 
Doesn't want to go on it anymore. Doesn't want to go on it, just no. That's it. all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and even then, not for very long. The only just boat she wants quickly. to be in is his love boat. His sex yacht. <laughs> and he does live on a sex yacht. Does so. he live on a sex yacht? Yeah, he does. Oh. That's where that's where he receives all of his guests. <laughs> even though he's just bought a mansion, uh, he still likes to spend most of his time beneath, below decks. I'll be. <laughs> I'll probably be on the yacht at lunchtime, Samantha. The thing is, Samantha, hottest woman in the episode, where's, yeah. where's her action? Well, she doesn't get to do anything apart from be Samantha with a notebook in her hand. Aww. You can't go in there, Miss Howard. <laughs> oh, isn't it funny to think that Samantha's now been replaced by an app? <laughs> You, we wouldn't have her. That scene, let's yeah. do that scene. Yeah, there aren't any secretaries now. anymore. Let's do that scene if it was happening now. It'd be him silently walking across the lawn, poking an iPhone and getting in the car. That'd be it. Just putting scene on his out, out of office, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So then we go to Masters Chandlery, where we meet Ken Masters. Did you remember Ken Masters? He tends right, to make an so, impression on people. So, He's what, the a lanky like, ball bloke? Yeah, that's him. Here's yeah. the thing. Mm. Why are all his jackets two sizes too big? <laughs> He's like David Burning, stop making sense. <laughs> You may ask yourself, why am I working in a Chandler's? You may ask yourself, why is she talking to that French bloke from the boutique? He doesn't you like may ask yourself, clue. why would a banker on a golf course want to talk to me? He's the shallowest character in the history of life. He literally thinks, he is. I've never been to a golf course. Look at him. He's made of golf. His legs look like two clubs. He's the golfiest looking person I've ever seen. And suddenly golf is like a strange concept to him. It's like if someone suddenly started speaking Esperanto to him. There's a sport, Jen, that I've just recently discovered. It's called golf. Well, Ken isn't supposed to be a particularly nice character. And I think the actor who plays him plays him rather well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's a, he's got a massive working class chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And all he does all the time is spends his entire life sucking up to people with more breeding and class and trying to get a piece of what oh they've got. God. But you so, know, he's a very 80s so character. Could, could you tell me, the people that wrote Howard's Way, how yeah. did they get on in their O-levels two years <laughs> after the show finished being made? This was like a current thing. This is a Thatcherite TV show. This show ended three days before Thatcher walked away from 10 Downing Street. It's very much Thatcher's Britain on screen. <laughs> You're not convinced? Well, well, there's... Well, is it any surprise <laughs> mm. that if the one kind of counterculture person on the show going to demos <laughs> is going, what do we want? When do we want it? Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. What? <laughs> Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. What? <laughs> Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Oh, poor Leo. Yeah, he really needs to just speak up. Um, <laughs> so, and, and, and I'm going to be honest, Leo, the Beatles broke up 15 years ago, mate. Let the haircut go. Mate. It is an astonishingly thick fringe, isn't what it? What the dillio like, I think there's, thinking? I think it's several fringes, like one on top of the other. It's like one of the <laughs> three stooges. <laughs> <laughs> Is he Larry? It's just very thick. Why are you bums? Flaxen. If only there had been three Howard brothers. Leo, Morris, and... and, (laughs) Why are you... You galoot. Anyway, back to Howard's way. (laughs) So, yeah, so Ken's uh, boasting that he's going to go and have a meeting with Sir John Stevens, who is... The only sir in Howard's way, yeah, so he's yeah. very impressed by yeah. him. And so when he meets Sir John Stevens, he always calls him Kenneth, which I think is a lovely detail. No one else calls him that. Yeah, yeah. And he says to Jan, he's only the chairman of the biggest merchant bank around. Like she's supposed to, you know, be really impressed by that. Yeah. And I really like Ken's office because it's got the proper, even though he clearly has never been on a boat in his life, he's got like a giant ship's wheel on one wall and like a barometer. Like all the kind of ship stuff, like dotted okay. around, but just doesn't give a okay. shit about boats. Let's look at Jan. Okay. Let's look at Kenneth. Okay. What the F 
does Jen see in Kenny? I'm going to shock you again, Phil. <laughs> in real life... No! <laughs> they are no! still married, yeah. Oh, wow! Yep. That is epic. It is epic. And uh, I, I follow Jan, who's also called Jan in real life, yeah, yeah, yeah. on Twitter. And yeah. um, they're just having a lovely time. It's really sweet. Oh, it's one of, one of the, the nicest things, like a lovely leftover from, yeah, yeah. you know, all of I'm, this. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of your acty dynasty couples yeah. who just kind of do their thing. I know. know, and yeah. still going strong. Anyway, Ken's really pissed off because Jan has had lunch with Tom. Yeah. And then he's Looney Tunes happy when she says that she's asked him for a divorce. They went away to Cannes together and something happened. So he kind of thinks he's in there now because he's been in love with her for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things aren't great with the two of them. And then I've put here Simon May's oboe of adversity because yes. clearly there's some oboe to, to, to stress like okay. tense. So the the mood music in Howard's Wine. It's brilliant. It is. Say it's brilliant. I mean, it is. <laughs> it's brilliant. Very in your ears. Yes, it is. No, it's a big part of the show, if that's what you mean. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> needs more trombones, got to say. This is what <laughs> Howard's Way lacks in terms of moments. Yeah. That's what it needed. Okay, let me let me do it for you now. In the words of Aristotle, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. There. Now, if you want those jokes to land... Do you think that would have made that better? Mate. I don't know if anything would have made that better. Or that. (laughs) There we go. Well, I I particularly enjoyed the oboe of adversity in this scene. Also because I played the oboe when I was a kid. And I only learned to play the oboe because I really liked the Miss Marple theme tune. Blowing in a weasel. (laughs) <laughs> a, a very, a very. I mean, it's really hard to get a sound out of an oboe. I did make More it sound like a... to get one out of a weasel. <laughs> I was, I might... <laughs> when I played the oboe, it did sound the like I was killing The oboe terrifies me because it's like one of those instruments as you're playing it. There you are, so yeah. reedy, so tiny, yeah. such a tiny mouth. <laughs> and then there you are. I know it does there make you your are. mouth really hurt because you've got to really go, clamp down on it. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, oboe fart. <laughs> Well, the worst thing ever. I know. Well, I went to um, Bell and Sebastian recently and the latest series of EPs has got a lot of oboe on it and yeah. it delighted me. Oh, wow. Imagine the sound of it is so lovely. It doesn't sound like Phil sounds when he's pretending to be an oboe. <laughs> it sounds a lot nicer than that. And yeah, so Charles at his, his club playing tennis yeah. and there's a sequence where he's playing tennis that goes on for about eight minutes. There's a yeah. lot of tennis playing. Like yeah. You almost see them play a whole match, like three, yeah. three sets. Yeah. Not quite sure why they felt the need to... And Holt's thighs, that's why. <laughs> And Holt's thighs glistening. He looked very nice in his couple shorts. of hams. I'll have the ham. I'll see you there at ten, having an unusual feeling. He wasn't that sort of kid? Yeah, not my tum- my tummy felt funny, but I didn't know why. <laughs> Can I have crisps? <laughs> I really, really want crisps. I think he's hungry. I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. so yeah, lots of tennis. And then all of his scenes, I feel, I feel like I may have slightly overstated things here, but all of Charles's scenes pretty much are walking and talking, doing business. Very much a precursor to like the Sorkin shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they probably saw how it went. Yeah, thought, yes, yeah, yeah. that's a way to convey like forward propulsion and action in one simple, it's amazing. He's I'm telling you now, you've got to build the West Wing out of wood, not fiberglass. <laughs> Who wants a fiberglass West Wing? Charles is just, he's the shark. He's the one who does doesn't stop moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just talking and talking and talking and sorting shit out, delegating all over the place. Yeah. And as a, as a final thought, before he finishes delegating, he tells, I think he actually tells Gerald, he's um, the murderess Polly Urquhart's husband. Gerald. Oh, yeah. And he's very the wrong energy for the show. So it's like, hello, hi. Well, <laughs> I should be in something a bit more lighthearted. My energy's a little bit too high for the scene. Yeah. I also love him because um, I don't even know if, if I picked up on this when I was saying I probably didn't. He's the only gay in Howard's Way. 
What? Wait, who? What? Yeah. So, Lavender Marriage, it was revealed a few episodes ago that Polly and Gerald are just married in name only. He's gay. She's not. They take it in turns to use the flat in London to have affairs with other people. And Gerald isn't the father of Abby. Bah, yeah. bah, bah. I know, right? So you're looking both impressed and excited. Yeah. <laughs> you're not. Those are he couldn't the, give a, he couldn't give the, a shit. Those are the two words that really <laughs> leapt out. Go on. Although, you know, got a gay in the show. I'm very, very happy now. <laughs> Diversity higher. But also... So that's one brown person and one gay person. One brown, one gay. And he does get to be fluid. Wow. wow. Not always gay. Wow, yeah. it's like living in a Blue Mink song. Quite frankly, when Kate O'Mara joins the show, um, <gasps> suddenly he's not gay O'Mara? anymore. O'Mara? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right? yeah. mama. Will you, will you come back and do an O'Mara? Yes, That'd I be great. will. Fantastic. Yeah, no, you have to How the How low is Kate where... O'Mara's voice? Mate, her and Jack could have a growl off. <laughs> Quite low. <laughs> what's, her, what's her character called when um, she comes in? Laura into Wild. Laura! Fiberglass, Laura. I've got something for you. Jerk, <laughs> jerk. No, she's good because she's not Boats. She's speedboats. Ooh. Yeah. It's all, it all gets a bit phallic. As we call it, the Scottish seafaring vessel. <laughs> You're not allowed to say speedboats. Absolutely not. Okay, sorry. Right. It's unlucky. Bad, bad luck. And this is episode 13 of the podcast, shit. Yeah. So then we go back to the hospital briefly where Polly genuinely asks, why does my daughter reject me when all she's done is say, I didn't ask you to be born? She's a really nasty mum. And then it's revealed that Abby's had a boy and it's fine. Yeah, so okay. it's all fine. So the sirens, everything. Oh no, what's going to happen? It's fine. Everything's fine. And then we go back to the Howard's house, and Jan takes a message for Lynn. Yet again, Charles has cancelled their dinner plans. Oh, textbook and yeah. halt. He's oiling his thighs that night. Sorry, <laughs> got to get another coat of cuprinol on the calves. Mm. <laughs> They're just not glistening enough. Really. And, um, and then Jan talks to her mum, Kate. She is played right, by so Dulcie, this is Dulcie Gray. Gray. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Love her so much. She's one of the only women in Howard's Way who doesn't just sort of passively sit back and just let life happen to you. Yeah, me. yeah. I'll tell you what, what you have to do is watch the Dulcie Gray scenes again yeah. and imagine her hating being in it and then think about her performance. That's, yeah. No, I think I think she's loving every second of it, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> um, she, says, she says to Jan that Lynn should give him a piece of her mind and then dump him uh, because that's the way she sees life. She's very much like, just get the fuck on with things. And then she asks Jan, her daughter, um, how did luncheon go? Not lunch. Luncheon. Oh, Whoa. I love her so much. Classic grey. Uh, then she proceeds to take her son-in-law's side in the whole thing because obviously Jan says, oh, I think we're going to get divorced. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, don't do that. You'll never get anyone's nice well, again. Well, what's, what's her beef with Ken? That's what I need to know. She hates Ken. Well, I mean, presumably there's a class thing going on, but she yeah, doesn't want to it? say it. But also she just doesn't want to see her daughter knocking around with some... Oink. But here's the weird thing about you were saying about, um, you know, Thatcher left at the end of that. Now, yeah. Thatcher, mm. Thatcher's the entryist. She's yeah, Middle England coming forward. Well, it's true. All of the actual proper knobs in the Tory cabinet hated her because she was the grossest. She was daughter. an oik. That's yeah. why Ken represents Thatcher in this programme. So Ken is Thatcher. Well, I think so. He certainly has the Thatcherist values, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Climb doesn't over the knobs to get to the no, exactly. But yeah. he's going to have to learn bloody yeah. quickly if he wants to fit in. in. Hey, I found out this drink. There's this drink I've never heard of before. It's called sherry. <laughs> Apparently you have it as some kind of before dinner. Sounds amazing. <laughs> the fact that you even know that means you're a lot posher than you sound, Phil Jupiter. Grew up in a pub. I know beverages. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. The dream. Got a side eyes. I know. <gasps> a pub. <laughs> can you pull a good pint what can you pull 
a good point. Yeah, but you have to understand, so I was the 60s, so it was kegs and carbon dioxide when oh. I started. Now, hand pumping is quite easy, but obviously... It's he's he's doing the action. The, I prefer, um, I think, electric pumps. There's no shame in electric pumps. Okay. The hand pump thing is fine. But, you know, if you're going to have an ale, then have it out of a barrel. And I let agree. Gravity, I think gravity beer is always much, much better. Well, bass. Stick your face bass underneath out of the a tap. barrel. Yeah. Mm. Now I'm just in a pub and I don't want to leave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, the pub in this, yeah. the Jolly Sailor, I'm going there next week. <laughs> oh! Poor them. Very excited. How shit is that gin and tonic going to be? <laughs> I'm hoping I, they no, improve what you've got to say is, Could I have a gin and tonic, please? No um, ice. Could you get me a tonic out of the cupboard, not the fridge, please? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the gin. Just, what's your worst gin? One of those, please. <laughs> i tell you what, could you, have you, you haven't got a bottle of tonic that's been open for three days. <laughs> it needs to be as flat as possible. Just yeah. completely inert. I, I don't want any gin bubbles. <laughs> Can't have the bubbles. What if jam burps? That's exactly. Why. That'll be why, isn't that's it? No why. carbonated drinks. That's why. Oh, Ken, I just... <laughs> Oh, sorry, Ken. <laughs> that was a lie. Can you burp on cue? I wish I could do that. I just, I did it for you. Did I can only you. burp when I don't want the things to. Things I do for the podcast <laughs> now. I've got you. a little bit of a pain in my esophagus. <laughs> Swallowed air. It's never good for you. Get you a hot water bottle. And that's where we're going to have to leave it this week. Um, but please come back for the final part of Always There, the triumphant finale, in fact, of Always There, um, in episode fourteen, which comes out next week. Um, I really hope you enjoy it. See you next week. Bye. For your next trip, elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.